0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Well, first, I want to wish all of you a very, very happy new year. Have a wonderful year this year, and we hope to bless your year with the Daily Lectionary on a week-to-week basis as we are offering you scriptures to read and reflect upon and pray about uh, and give you a little bit something to think about uh, as we share in this 20, 25-minute, sometimes 27-minute um program and you'll see the scriptures uh, on your program today and we are celebrating the epiphany and following the epiphany and following okay let me explain what has happened we are in a new church season a what we call a liturgical season and that liturgical season always begins on the first sunday of advent and it will go through the whole year Usually till the end of November or the 1st of December, depending on when Christmas Day is during the week. We know Christmas Day is always on December 25th, but it changes in terms of the uh, day of the week. And then we have four weeks of preparing for the coming of Jesus, which we call Advent. And then, of course, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And then you usually have one or two weeks after the birth of Christ to celebrate Christmas. And then what we have what we call Epiphany. Now, Epiphany kicks off on January the 6th, and that is a fixed date, obviously movable during the week, January the 6th, and we celebrate the coming of the Magi. Now, Jesus is a little bit older, but the Magi come and offer him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in the season of Epiphany, which precedes Lent, Jesus is showing himself to the nations. He he has begun his ministry. He has started his ministry. He is uh, sharing his ministry, and he is uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now, last week, we looked at Christmas Day, and we looked at the dates after Christmas, December 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, etc., all right? And that's going to take you to Epiphany 1, The first Sunday after Epiphany. Now, the first Sunday after Epiphany is traditionally the uh, Sunday that we celebrate the baptism of Jesus by his cousin John in the Jordan River. So today, we are going to share with you the Epiphany and following. And you see the scriptures, as I said earlier, on your program, and you will follow those on a day-to-day basis. So we will focus on Isaiah, and we've been in Isaiah for several weeks now. But we're looking at the end chapters. We're going from chapter 52 to chapter 66, and there are only 66 chapters in Isaiah. Then we'll go to Revelation. On Sunday, we've got Revelation 21. Then we go into Revelation 2 and 3. And then we will spend some more time in the book of John uh, looking at chapters 2, 4, 5, 6, and 9. Okay, let's dive right in. Isaiah 52. Now, remember, Isaiah is the first of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. The end of the Old Testament, 39 books, is completed by the prophets. You begin with Isaiah and you end with Malachi, Isaiah to Malachi. And the prophet is present during the historical framework of where Israel and Judah are, Now, Israel only lasts until it is taken into captivity in 721 by the Assyrians, and then Judah only lasts to 587 when taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And the prophets come and speak the word of the Lord to the people, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, uh, Zephaniah, Hosea, etc. Then we have the exilic period, and then we have the post-exilic period. But for our purposes, Isaiah is speaking the word of the Lord He has several Messianic scriptures that we refer to, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53, and several others. We talked about the servant of the Lord. I'm thinking of Isaiah 42 and 49. And today we're going to continue with Isaiah 52, 7 through 10. How beautiful, verse 7, upon the mountains of the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says that Zion, your God, reigns. Well, that certainly could be uh, an individual that does that, but more specifically, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is the one that brings good news and publishes peace. The voice of your watchman, verse 8, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy, the return of the Lord to Zion. And so we break forth into singing in verse 9, the Lord has buried his holy arm in verse 10, and all the earth, ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. So this is a beautiful restoration s- series of scriptures where God is going to restore. It's not condemning. It's not judgmental. It's not the wrath of God. It's actually the opposite where God uh, is bringing his people together. Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Verses 15 to 21, truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now we're going, now he's talking about truth again. One of the very famous prophetic utterances. Okay, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. And he's saying that truth is lacking. So the people are not listening to what the truth is. And then the problem with evil uh, is accentuated because they don't know right from wrong. The Lord saw it and it displeased him. The Lord is always displeased with sin, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. De- then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteous, uh, righteousness upheld him. He put on a righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Now, it, you'll see in the New Testament where Paul will talk about a helmet of salvation and righteousness. And the importance of wearing those things there's kind of an, uh, an internal reality, but it's said in an external way and is a, a clothing that we could wear. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. All right, Isaiah 59, 15 to 21, and a redeemer will come from Zion, will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. Okay, a Redeemer is going to come. Another prophetic utterance uh, concerning the Messiah who's going to come. Now, remember, we're in Epiphany. So, we're talking about the coming of of Jesus and the coming of the Messiah. He's now going to disclose himself. So, these are perfect scriptures for the season of Epiphany. Isaiah 63, 1 through 5. Who is this who comes from Edom? In crimson garments from Basra, who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. I'm going to save. Why is your apparel red, your garments like his, who treads in the winepress? Et etc. et cetera. I looked, but there was no one to help, verse 5. I was appalled, there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. Then he's back to wrath again. Verse 6, I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out my lifeblood on the earth. But then he comes back to positive. Verse 7, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to his house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So this interplay between The compassion of God, the mercy of God, the salvation of God, the wrath of God, those that do evil, uh, justice is going to be served, condemnation is going to come. And there's an interplay, constant interplay in the Old Testament between those two realities. So what we want to do is we want to know what the truth is, what the commandments are, and then we want to encourage one another, pray for one another to do those things that the Lord has called us to do. 1 through 9 and 13 to 16. I was ready to be sought, verse 1, by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. That's what people do. When we do not follow the Lord, we walk in a way that's not good. We follow our own devices. Okay? And so we want to be very, very wary of that. We do not want to provoke the Lord to anger. Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 13. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. My servants drink, but you shall be thirsty. My servants rejoice, you shall be put to shame. Okay, negative. Now back to positive. My servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wait for breaking of spirit. Negative. Okay, verse 15. You shall leave your name to my chosen for a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death, so that he who blesses himself, verse 16, the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. So again, this uh, interplay between God putting you to death and blessing yourself and being blessed by the God of Israel, who takes an oath in the land and shall swear by the God of truth, verse 16. Okay, because the former troubles are forgotten and hidden from my eye. You are following the truth. You are obeying the truth. You are doing the truth. You are following the will of God. Let's all do that. 66, 1 and 2, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. God's in charge of everything. He's created everything. Everything is his. By his authority, he makes history happen. His plan is going to be done. It's going to be exercised which is the sea, the house that you would build for me. And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. God's made it all. Verse 2 of 66. So that all things came to be, declares the Lord. Okay, so he makes things come to pass. He brings things to pass. He sustains everything that comes to pass. 22 to 23 of 66. 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make And, of course, this is going to come at the consummation of Jesus Christ. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. Shall remain before me, says the Lord, so that your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, verse 23. From Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. So we will worship the Lord. We will magnify the Lord. Remember that great verse in... uh, Philippians chapter 2, 10 and 11, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody is going to acknowledge him, even for those that do not know him. He will be acknowledged. I'm not saying they'll be saved, but He will be they will be acknowledged and all flesh shall come to worship before me. And then you see verse 24. Here's, here's the clincher about people not being saved. They shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be abhorrence to all flesh. So those that rebel against the Lord will be punished. Those that serve the Lord and humble themselves before the Lord and seek His forgiveness through repentance, they shall be blessed. And I hope and pray that all of you listening to me or watching me today will be among those that are called to the Lord and are saved by the Holy Spirit. We begin in Revelation 21 with the second set of scriptures, 21, 22 to 27, which we find on Epiphany Day. I saw no temple in the city, verse 22 of 21, Revelation, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. So they're the temple. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord is its light and the Lamb The lamp is the lamb, so there's no light. They provide the light and they provide the temple. By its light will the nations walk. Epiphany is about uh, Jesus coming into the world and uh, us recognizing him, and I pray that all of us will recognize the light that has come into the world. And Epiphany is about that appearing, that showing of himself. So when he shows himself to us, may all of us bow down and worship by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night no night all light they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations no need to sleep no need to rest you'll get a new body but you won't need to sleep nothing unclean will ever enter it no more sin verse 27 nor anyone who does what is detestable or false no way no sin but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? All right. Beautiful verse. All right, let's go to the beginning of Revelation. So he starts at the end of Revelation with this wonderful uh, several verses that I just read. And then we go to Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 7. Now, he's going to be talking about the different churches. Okay? So if you look at the list here, the first one is Ephesus 2, 1 through 7. The second one is Smyrna, 8 to 17. Well, 8 to 17, you have the perch and Pergamum, which starts in verse 12. So 8 to 17 is Smyrna and Pergamum. And then 18 to 29 is the uh, church in Theratira. So the Spirit of God is speaking to three of those, let's see, one, two, three, four churches. And then we go to chapter 3, 1 through 6, that's the church in Sardis. And then 7 to 13 is the church in Philadelphia. And finally, the church in Laodicea. Now, you could spend an extraordinary amount of time studying chapters 2 and 3, which is, you'll see in chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna right. Verse 12, to the angel in the church of Pergamum, write. 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write. Chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. And then finally, verse 14 of chapter 3, the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. And what I think you'll find is some extraordinary verses to the churches in that area. These are physically real places. And what you want to do as you're reading those is think about them in the context of yourself and what God might be saying to you regarding your relationship with him. Let me mention a couple of things to you uh, before we go to the gospel readings. Um, Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but if tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary. That certainly could be some folks listening to me today, but I have this against you. Uh-oh, you're doing this pretty good, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, verse 5, repent and do the works you did at first. So the Lord is saying something positive to him, and then he's saying something that they are doing that needs to be changed. And he's telling them what to do in order to change it. If not, if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, that is a perfect scripture for all of us when we think about things that we've done and the Lord is calling us to repentance. So he is serious about repentance and he's serious about our works and he's serious about what we're doing. Okay. Uh, The church of, and you can read the rest of that, the church of Smyrna, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. That's Jesus. The first and the last, he died, he came to life. He was resurrected. Okay. Okay. be faithful unto death, verse 10, and I will give you the crown of life. Beautiful. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Then Pergamum, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And that's an interesting verse, verse 13. Yet you hold fast to my name and you do not deny my faith, even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Interesting verse. But I have a few things against you. Okay, then you go forward from there and he tells you what to do. Tira, I know your works, verse 19, your love and your faith and your service, your patient endurance, and then your latter works exceed the first, but I have this against you. Now, what if you and I could hear God speak that way? All right, here's what you're doing well. Here's what I have against you. Here's what I don't like. Here's where we need to do some work. Here's where I need to encourage you. I need you to think about these things. I need you to do these things. Okay, look at verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. God's pretty serious about that. Okay, and so he continues on. Sardis, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. How would you like Jesus to say that to you? You have the reputation of being alive, but in fact, you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. This is chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Remember then what you've received and heard, verse 3. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I come against you. All right? And there's more. I I just don't have time to go through them all. Philadelphia. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. That's a lot of power. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So that's, that's good. Because you have kept my word, verse 10, about patient endurance I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one will seize your crown. He who has ear to hear, let him hear, verse 13. And finally, Laodicea, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. That's a very famous verse. Would that you were neither either cold or hot, but because you were lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So God's not happy that they are not cold or hot. They are lukewarm. You do not want to be lukewarm. Okay? Those who I love, verse 19, I reprove and discipline. He loves you. He's going to discipline you and me. He's going to reprove you. He's going to correct you. He's going to challenge you. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door. Another famous verse. Very famous. 320. And knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me the one who conquers i will grant him to sit with me on my throne i also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne he who has ears to hear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches great series of scriptures as we start so this is jesus speaking he's speaking to the angel the angel is giving them this word uh from jesus and this is a word we need to hear John chapter 2, let's work through John. We've worked through John several times in our time together. John 2, about the wedding at Cana. They go to a wedding, very famous verse, and they ask, Jesus is invited, the, ru- the wine runs out. They have no more wine. Jesus says, um, what do you want, Moment. what do you have to do with me? My hour has not come. Why are you asking me that question? Verse five, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now that pretty much sums up the gospel, by the way. It's just hard to do, because we have desires contrary to God. Do whatever Jesus says. Pretty simple summation of the gospel. Whatever Jesus says, this is why the reading of the scriptures is so important, because we want to know what Jesus tells us. Do whatever he tells you. And then he does a miracle by turning the water into wine. Chapter four, this is the great chapter about the Samaritan woman. Uh, in chapter 4, and at the end of, of that, 46 to 54, the Samaritan woman's at the first part of it, we have the healing of an official's son, and Jesus does this astonishing miracle. He doesn't do many miracles in John. John's purpose is not to give us a litany of miracles, but to tell us who Jesus is, and then he uses the miracles to, um, to do this extraordinary thing of healing which is just phenomenal. In chapter 5, he has another healing, but this person's not very complicit. And um, he asks him in verse 6, do you want to be healed? And Jesus does heal him, but he chastises him also. As he says in verse uh, 14, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, and that nothing worse may happen to you. So there was not everybody's the same. Not everybody responds to Jesus in the same way. This person had a problem, but Jesus went ahead and healed him. And finally, uh, in chapter 6 and 9, in chapter, in chapter 9 we have the healing of the blind man. In chapter 6 we have Jesus feeding the 5,000 in verses 1 to 14. This is a phen- phenomenal um, miracle because that's just the men. They didn't include the women and children. So the number could easily have easily been fifteen or 20,000 people. And they sit down, he lifts up his eyes, Uh, he says to Philip, where are we to buy bread uh, so that these people may eat? Uh, And Philip says, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And there's a boy that has five loaves and two fish, and the fish aren't very big, and the loaves aren't very big. And the people sit down, and he gathers up the fragments. So we have the healing of the official son, we have the healing at the pool, we have the phenomenal situation with the uh, feeding of the 5,000 men only. 15 to 27, we have Jesus walking on water and beginning the discourse on the bread of life. These are all beautiful um, stories and truths and teachings about Christ and about how great he is And then our uh, desire by the power and mercy of the Holy Spirit to follow him, love him, and serve him. So again, Jesus is revealing himself at Cana, the official son. um, The healing of the pool. Feeding of the 5,000. He walks on water. You know anybody can do that? And then he talks about himself being the bread of life. Well, this is a lot of good stuff to think about. Lots of good material in Isaiah, beautiful scriptures in Isaiah, in Revelation, starting with 21, and then working through the seven churches. And then finally, always good to contemplate and read about Christ in the book of John. Next week, we'll be looking at First Epiphany, the baptism of Jesus, and his continuing to show himself and to reveal himself as the Messiah, the Son of God. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.